going to um, share something with you this evening that's uh, been laying not on just my heart, but on uh, a few other people's hearts as well. Um, I've got a question for you. When was the last time you were strong and courageous? When was the last time you were strong and courageous? What did it look like? How did you feel afterwards? Just take a a moment just to think that through. When was the last time you were strong and courageous in something? What did it look like? And how did you feel afterwards? Okay. I'm not going to ask anyone to share. <laughs> I just want you to be now. But these guys, for some of them, what they've done tonight is strong and courageous. Um, first time for some of them. Um, and it's a real blessing. And it is sometimes when we step out uh, in something that we're a little bit uncomfortable with, yeah, that strength and that courage flows through from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, yeah, it's just a real blessing uh, when I see people do it and when it happens in my life. And I'm going to read uh, from Joshua 1, of course. Uh, Where else would we go but Joshua 1? I'm going to read the whole uh, chapter. If you have a Bible, please follow with me. If it's on your phone, that's okay. Just make sure you don't go on Instagram Live and do any videos or anything, (coughs) or Facebook and stuff like that. Um, And I'll give you a little bit of a story behind uh, why I'm looking at Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that in our times of doubt. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Joshua 1 is a fantastic passage. Uh, I know Ian talks about it all the time when we're in the office and he feels that that was one of his uh, words of scripture that came to him when he first came here. um, To be bold and courageous. And uh, it's a... When you get the pep talks at the beginning of films and all that kind of stuff when they're about to go in and take the enemy's territory, that's the kind of rousing Joshua 1 is the passage you kind of go to for us as Christians. We need to be strong and courageous in something. Joshua's a great book about bravery, of courage. There's lots of battles in there. Really good. And God's promise being fulfilled to the children of Israel. Moses is dead Okay, that generation who was scared to go into the promised land have gone. They are no more. They're all dead, all gone. The Israelites had wandered for 40 odd years and now it was time for a brave new leader, a new leader to take what the promised, uh, was promised to them many years before to take that land. It's a book as well as you read Joshua and if you've never read Joshua before, can I encourage you to do it? It's a great book of triumph uh, against adversity because it says that there were giants in the land, that they were full of giants. It's a book that shows us no matter what the giants are before us, that they will be defeated with God going before us and us staying true to his leading. We recently had an elders away day, which was a really fruitful day, and we read from Joshua during And we all pondered on it, we all meditated on it, reflected on it uh, during that that morning especially. And it was really encouraging for us as a leadership when we had the baptismal service the following Sunday that Naomi, who got baptised, shared in her testimony that the scripture she loved the most to encourage her was to be strong 
and courageous from Joshua 1. And I know as I looked out of the pool and saw all the other elders, their jaws were on the floor. It was like, wow, from the mouth of babes. And for me, it was a real sense. You know when you have those moments of, is God saying something? Is, is that really happening? And that was just one of those moments of, yeah, God is speaking to us. So what I want to do is share a little bit uh, about some of the insight of, of, of what happened um, and reflect a little bit and ask the same questions for you that we kind of asked ourselves a little bit as well about your own life, your life in the church, Billericay Baptist Church, other churches, and also in the world around us, the community that most of us have kind of gone out into that community today. So... Hopefully the first slide will come up. Yeah, oh, I've done it, there you go. I've done that one. These two words, <laughs> now then, okay? There were lots of things that people, you know, there's elders we were kind of looking at, and then one of the elders just came out with now then. And you can see it right there in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people. All right? Now then. This was a statement of God is doing something completely new. It was completely new for Joshua at the time, and we have a sense that God is doing something completely new. And we are starting at now then. That point, that point, it's the beginning. One of the scriptures that we've been getting quite a lot is from Isaiah 43, uh, 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. We believe that God is doing a new thing. We are to be in the presence of God in the now then, right here, right now. Not looking back at what's gone on before. Well, we used to do it that way. There are some great things that we've done in the past as a church and we need to give glory and thanks to God for those. But actually we need to look forward as to what is coming. As we reflected on what's gone on in the church over the last few years and I've written some bullet points. We've had a new senior minister, Ian. We've got a new minister in training, in Tom. Charlotte is our children's worker in training. Uh, We've got new people in positions of leadership within the church that we kind of never thought that we'd replace, like a treasurer. (laughs) 27 years, Paul was very faithful as a treasurer. When he steps down, everyone's like, who's going to do it? We've got a team overseeing it. We've got trustees as we've changed from the way that we led the church to a CIO, Charitable Incorporated Organisation, if you want to know what that is. And we've even taken on A female elder. Wow. So much has happened in just the last few years. The last few years alone. See, God's doing a new thing. So we can look back with thanks at what God has done in the past. But I think that which is man-made and not of God and isn't really producing fruit shouldn't come with us. God waited for a whole generation to pass away before he could then give the promised land to the next generation. 
What does that look like for us? I haven't got an answer. I just want to ask the questions. I just want to say for us as leaders, we need prayer support and your support as we look at what needs to stop, what needs to start. To look at what's producing fruit, good for the kingdom, and actually which isn't. And we need to ask some very bold questions. And what does that question look like in your life as well? I'm talking there corporately as a church. What about for you as individuals? Maybe what is God asking you to lay down? That actually it's not producing fruit anymore. So it needs to be pruned. It needs to be cut away. But at the same time, what's he asking you to pick up? What's he asking you to say? This is, this is where I want you going. This is the next thing. Okay? Just asking you those questions. So what does now then look like for you as well in your own lives? The next thing that came out from the day was, um, which really struck us all, um, was the bit there in verse 8. And it says, uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The book of the law is fresh in the minds of the Israelites. It's fresh. Okay, The ink was still wet. <laughs> if They wrote everything down in ink. They just had these amazing commandments uh, all these years before, uh, told to them by Moses. He spent time with God, laying down the law, the commandments, everything. And it was sung. They used to sing it, so that's how they would learn it as well. So it was fresh in their minds, fresh in their minds. Many of those that were about to cross into the promised land, when they first heard it, had been taught by their parents, all of it. So they were young. So this generation that's now headed into the promised land was a young generation, Some of them might have been kids when they came over. We don't know. But they could have been in teens, late 20s, whatever it might have been. But it was was a young kind of generation that was going over. That's why it's really important to teach the next generation. Because it was that generation that was going to go ahead into the promised land and take it for God's name. We know Jesus came to fulfil the law set by God and to establish his kingdom. I reflected recently, uh, I went on Wednesday um, to Places of Worship trip, which I do every year uh, with one of the schools locally. And um, we started off at a synagogue. And uh, it was great to go there and and see all these uh, lovely uh, Jewish children playing in uh, their playground. had security guards and high fences, etc., to protect them, which is understandable. And uh, when we got in there, the guy was starting to talk about God in a way that I was just like, this is dead. There was no life in it. It was really, really interesting. Because the way he was talking about it is because he didn't know Jesus. And what it did is it gave me, because actually one of of the students actually said, how do you see uh, God? He asked the question, how do you see God? And one of them went, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was like, yes. Brilliant statement. Well done. They weren't understanding that actually this wasn't a church. This was a synagogue. 
And he was saying, okay, yeah, well, we don't, you know, believe that Jesus is the son of God and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, what a golden opportunity. So I just sat there praying. Such an opportunity to pray um, in that situation. But it was, it was, it was kind of like they were, they, all they talked about, all he talked about was the law, the law, the law, and the law, you know. And I have great respect um, for, for uh, the Jewish people, and I just love the fact that, that God has got a heart for them as he has for us. We are grafted in, which is fantastic. Um, but the Bible is really key. You know, he was talking about the books of the, you know, in the Torah, what books are in there and where it kind of ends. And he was really kind of teaching them how they wrote it down and how it's, you know, and parchment. They don't touch it because, you know, it's kind of alive and they don't, you know, so he's using this little pointer thing. So it was actually really quite interesting, you know, going there. But it all just felt a little bit dead. It wasn't, there was nothing there that was alive. Um, And I think as we move from the now then, what I've just looked at, is that, We need to take hold of this part and we cannot let the book of the law depart from us. We cannot allow the scriptures to depart from who we are and what we do. We're living in a society in the West that is increasingly becoming like the people that occupied the promised land before the Jews, before the children of Israel. Confusion, evil, twisted ways far from God and worshipping false idols. We're hearing these days that truth is now what your truth is. And truth isn't necessarily the truth. Confused? A man can be a woman and vice versa. Same-sex marriage is permissible. And we have epidemics of anxiety, illness and confusion. We're doing really well as a human race without God, aren't we? When um, my father-in-law Bob was down at the weekend, we like to talk about the world and everything that's going on and uh, we listen to him once again talk about what he thinks is happening. And I was, I was saying, you know, well, maybe try and give it a little bit more of an apologetics uh, kind of thing, and this is maybe the answer for stuff. And um, Bob just came straight out with it, and he said, Gary, the reason why we're in a mess is plain and simple. We've turned our backs on God. We've turned our backs on God. This book is no longer something that society looks to for guidance. We've turned our backs on God. And I was, as I reflected on this, he was right, and he usually is. That's the thing about him. We have departed from the book. We've departed from parts of the law. We've departed. It hasn't happened overnight. It's been a calculated plan by the enemy. He started in the garden, Garden of Eden, by questioning God's authority. Surely you won't die. And it's been like that ever since just whispering in our ears. You really think God's doing that? You really think that he loves you? There are tiny little whispers of doubt being put into a subtle ways. And I think the biggest way that he's doing it is getting us busy with other stuff. So we don't meditate on his word. We look at screens more than we look at the word. Hold my hand up to that. I hold my hand up to that. 
We need to read the scriptures with questions that the Holy Spirit can help answer. Is it the Holy Spirit guiding us or is it through some kind of new approach to how this is interpreted by society's thinking? There's questions over the authenticity of scripture. What does that do for us? Does that give us confidence? Actually, I think it gives us a little bit of confusion and we tend to not read that because I don't exactly know where to go with this and I'm not sure what this means in X, Y and Z. And it's just like, we need to read the word with a prayerful Holy Spirit moment. Not just glibly, I've read the pages today, I've read scripture. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I'm, I'm as bad as, it, as, as others as well. Um, but what we've got to be really careful is that we don't have our heads buried in the sand on issues in society that we speak up. Because when you've got your head buried in the sand thinking, I don't really want to go down that road and I don't want to get involved in that conversation, what's left sticking up in the air when your head's in the sand? Your backside. And if your backside's exposed, you're probably going to get a right good kick up the backside. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happened to the church over many years. It's buried its head in the sand. Buried its head in the sand. And it's getting its backside kicked. I was actually really encouraged, though, this week. um, Because, you know, you oh, Lord, I know I need to read the scripture more and spend some more time with you and uh, understand it a bit more. And uh, I was actually encouraged because someone... Uh, sat next to me and I was just talking to them. It was actually in a mosque when we were there on Wednesday and, and I was just talking about you know, the children of Israel and the Holy Land and all this kind of stuff and talking about X, Y and Z. And they said, that's why I like spending time with you, Gary. I went, why? He said, because you know your Bible stuff. Wow, what? <laughs> totally out of the blue. But it was such an encouragement because for me it was just like, yeah, I, I do try and study it and, and try and work out what God is saying. And he's saying in the here and now, in our society, in our communities, in my life, in the life of the church. I actually came away quite proud of that statement and reassured by God to keep on going. To keep on. God can speak in the weirdest of places. <laughs> he really can. So be strong and courageous. This statement is littered throughout Joshua 1, all the way through it. Joshua knew what was coming. The initial report 40 years before was that the land was full of giants. They were called the sons of Anak, the descendants of the Nephilim who were wiped out at the time of the flood. There were those other descendants that are kind of like these giant people that have become really evil. And it says that they were like grasshoppers to them. These were giants. These were huge. And there is evidence throughout scripture and history that there were these men and women of renown, these tall beings. Joshua knew he had a battle ahead of him. But he knew he could do it because God had already been active and going before him. And the hint we have is actually in Joshua 2. So if you want to have a quick look at Joshua 2 in verse 10. So Joshua sent out some spies. They've met up with Rahab, who's an unlikely um, 
person that God would use because she was a prostitute, but he did because he uses all people. Remember that when you think that you're no good. Verse 10, the spies are talking to Rahab. And he says, actually go to verse 8. Um, before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and then a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Before Joshua's even gone into the promised land, they are quaking in fear of the children of Israel that are coming. They are quaking in fear because God has already gone before. He's already parted the sea. That miracle in itself was enough to frighten a country, a people in this land. Probably frightening enough for the children of Israel as they saw it as well. But to see this coming, to see this happening. You see, the red, it says that about the Red Sea crossing, it says about Sion and Og. And if, if you can turn quickly to Numbers 21. Numbers 21 verses 21 to 26, then I'm going to skip a bit. So this is before, you know, quite a bit before. It says, Let us pass through your country. Israel sent messengers to say to Sion, king of the Amorites, Let us pass through your country. We will not turn aside into any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We'll travel along the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sion would not let Israel pass through his territory. He mustered his entire army and marched out into the desert against Israel. When he reached Jahaz, he fought with Israel. Israel, Israel, however, put him to the sword, took over his land for the Arnon to the Jabbok, but only as far as the Ammonites, because their border was fortified. Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites and occupied them, including Heshbon and all its surrounding settlements. Heshbon was the city of Sion, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken from him all his land as far as Arnon. And he skipped down to 31. It says, so Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. After Moses had sent spies to Jazer, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements, drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up along the roads towards Bashan. And Og, king of Bashan, and his whole army marched out to meet them in battle at Edrei. The Lord said to Moses, do not be afraid of him. For I have handed him over to you. Why did God say, do not be afraid of him? Do to him what you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. These were giant kings. These were giant kings. This was a giant race that Israel had already started to wipe out. And we know that, because in Amos uh, 2, 9 to 10, and I won't get us to go there, I'll read it, it says, Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land 
of the Amorite. God's reputation had already gone before the children of Israel. Joshua still had a fight on his hands, but as you read the rest of Joshua, you will see time and again that they've defeated their foes. And I want to just, just, just challenge us. When we get to a point where we think, hold on a minute, I don't think I can do this, I want us to reflect back on the giants that have already been defeated. God has defeated so many giants that you have faced in your lives that we can stand there and be strong and courageous as we go forward for the next thing. So what are the giants before us? I believe they're physical and spiritual, both for church and individuals. For us as a church, um, the physical is to ask God, where are you sending us? (laughs) What are you wanting us to do? We sense as a church, um, at the last church meeting, Ian said, do we want to grow as a church? Not just, you know, but do we want to grow the kingdom? And we all said, yes. They said, no, do you really want to grow? And we all said, yes again. They said, okay, that's going to be a challenge for us to what that looks like. Because there'll be new people coming in different people that we maybe don't get on with or don't talk to or whatever it might be, it's going to grow. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. If that's what we want, if we want the kingdom to grow at Billericay Baptist Church and in the community, we've got to get ready for that. So when we say, yeah, we want to grow, there's a challenge. We're outgrowing the building. We still have to go over the road to do youth work because it's too packed up there. Okay? They're all nodding because they know what it's like when they're up there sometimes and they can't move because they're like this. We're outgrowing the building. So where do we go? That's a huge giant before us. We believe it's somewhere up the high street. So we're just asking the question, God, where? Where are you going? Where do we have to step our feet in order to claim the territory? I think spiritually we're going to be challenged with the authority of God's word. We were talking about it in the office only a a few weeks back. We think the biggest challenge is going to come for Christians in this country is the challenge of God's word. Christians around the world are already being jailed for preaching, for sharing the good news. I think it will come here one day as well. I pray it won't, but persecution comes. I believe, I believe human sexuality is going to be a huge challenge for us as church. As a society, it's already there, and it's just getting uh, harder and harder to try and kind of bring the word of God into situations. But we do it through prayer. And we do it with a humble, graceful, loving heart. I also believe we've got to be careful as a church that one of the giants we might face is apathy. Confidence in that we as a church can do stuff. You know, can can we do that? 
The enemy's constantly whispering in our ears, which is why we need the helmet of salvation fixed firmly on our heads. You know, Roman soldiers' helmets used to have it covering over their ears as well. And I always look at that and think that's symbolic. Because the enemy's constantly wanting to whisper in our ears that you're not worth it. You're rubbish at doing that. Call yourself a Christian. It's just like, no, I am saved. I am saved because of the blood of Jesus. And what does that look for us as individuals? We've got to be aware that there are giants before us. Life throws things our way sometimes. Sometimes we just want to run and hide. That can be anything from family, work, school, health. list goes on. Individually as well, I think apathy will be uh, a big giant for us. I'm too tired, can't be bothered, I haven't got the time. I think we need to challenge ourselves in this through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Remember in Philippians 4.13, it says, remember I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm feeling tired this afternoon and I could carry on watching the football, actually no, that was rubbish this afternoon, Um, I could do that and just think, you know what, I don't really want to come out tonight. We could quite easily just say, you know, actually, no, I'm not going to do it. It's comfortable on the sofa. Nice and warm inside. But actually, the challenge is to come out and to worship, to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I also think identity in Christ is going to be a giant before us as individuals. I don't think we have fully grasped that we are children of God. We are set apart for his service. The word snowflake is being used for this generation. For those people that just seem to crumble and melt at the slightest little bit of adversity. Oh, snowflake generation. Do you know what? We've all got a tendency to be snowflakes. (laughs) There are certain things in our lives that we could quite easily just (coughs) melt away and just think, I really don't. It's quite easy to just say no and become that snowflake. But as I was just thinking, and whether this is me or this is something uh, deep, but collectively, a bunch of snowflakes can become an avalanche. And if Christians are seen as snowflakes who have a crutch of Christianity and you need that, well, I need to stand firm with you guys as my snowflake and say, actually, we need to be an avalanche in our community. We need to sweep through our community as servants, serving people, being humble, not being proud and full of who we are as a church. Look at us doing this, but as humble servants. That's why Jesus said, you're the bride of Christ. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. Be strong and courageous isn't something we always find to be easy. And I totally understand that. I'm nearly finished. Um, Let me give you an example of I was given the opportunity to do it, though. So as I said, I've done this Places of Worship trip this week. And I was in Neasden Temple. And we got there at a time when they were doing their prayers to these idols, at the end of the day, and there were hundreds of school children 
there, not just one of the schools in the town, it was hundreds of children and people that had come to hear the prayers. The whole prayer room, as they call it, was full of people. And as they started their worship, which was an eight-minute worship song, which I didn't understand because it was all in a different language, um, I'm looking at some of them who are a little bit confused, what's going on, etc. And um, I just found myself praying in tongues. I just literally found myself praying in tongues. And I was like, whoa, be really careful because, you know, you could see some of the kids kind of looking and it was just like, I was wearing a T-shirt as well, a bit of Ricky Baptist church on it. I just prayed that actually nothing would go in their ears, nothing would go in their spirit. I was, I was a little bit shaking because of, you know, I knew I was going to speak on this and I thought, I'll be bold and courageous in this situation. I'm not going to stand up and do anything crazy, but it's just like God says that you're, you're the most powerful thing you have is prayer. So pray. So I was able just to, to pray in tongues. And we finished off going to a mosque. And whilst this guy was talking to all the students about Islam and the five pillars and all this kind of stuff, I was, I was just slowly walking around the top of the, the dome of this mosque. And I, I knew because I'd been reading this part of Joshua, it says, everywhere that you step your feet, I will claim this ground. <laughs> literally, on the, it's going to go out on the internet, this one. I was literally walking every single step, just slowly claiming the mosque for Jesus. And I was praying under my breath that actually the people there that would come and pray would have revelations of Jesus Christ. Would have revelations of Jesus Christ. I was in what we would call the enemy's territory. I had a golden opportunity to go in and pray. I felt bold and courageous. It's because I've been reading this and thinking, well, actually, let's put it into action. I got some flack back the rest of this week. The devil's a tempter, and he'll throw stuff at you. It's being aware of where he's going to hit you. But I'm not giving up on it. And the reason why is because we're commanded to. See, verse 9 in Joshua 1. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We're commanded by the King of heaven, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the grace giver and sin destroyer, to be strong and courageous, to not be terrified, to not be discouraged, because he is with us wherever we go. And that includes a Hindu temple, a mosque, a church, a place of work, our homes, the high street or school. For all of us who call on his name, we're commanded to be warriors for the kingdom. 
to go out and be like Joshua, to go and take the enemy's territory. Even though there will be giants in the land, we're called to go. Have I not commanded you? There's no plan B. We are it. We are the bride of Christ and there is no plan B. It's us. Guided by the Holy Spirit to be strong and very courageous. I'd just like to take a little bit of time now for us to pray for one another. Because I asked the question right at the very beginning. When was the last time you were strong or courageous in something? And maybe, maybe some of you have got some things coming up that feel like giants in your lives. I just want us to spend the next two, three minutes, just in maybe twos and threes, um, praying for each other. Praying that we would be strong or courageous in these things. That we would prayerfully support one another. It might be exams, it might be jobs, it might be health, whatever it is. Let's just spend two or three minutes. Mike's going to play a song um, in the background. Uh, So let's just spend two or three minutes just praying for each other. What are those giants that you might be facing? That you can pray for one another and continue to pray for each other during the week. And then I'll gather us back and we'll finish with a song um, to close. So let's do that now, shall we? Stick to our guns. (laughs) And that's the word and spirit. So whatever you're going through, don't depart from this. Don't depart from the word of God. Don't depart from meeting together and praying together. And don't ever think that there's a giant in front of you that you can't conquer. Because with God on your side and going before you, he will do it. Might take a bit of time now and again, but be persistent. We're going to finish with uh, one more song. So if you'd like to stand... Let's do that. Dear Father, and I thank you that we can praise your name because you defeated the greatest giant of sin and death. We thank you, Father, that we can look to your cross as a symbol of hope, that you carry our cross, that we do not have to die. We just need to follow you. So, Father, we take hope from the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your son, our brother. And, Father, I pray whatever giant we face this week, whatever it may look like, that, Father, by your spirit, you will give us the strength to be bold, strong and courageous. To face it through the word, through your spirit, through prayer, through the care and prayer of each other here as well. Whatever it might be, Father, we pray your name and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for coming this evening. Um, there is going to